Welcome to Archetypes and the Planets, where Andre Carr and I, Bea Gonzalez, invite you to think metaphorically as we explore how we have collectively translated the map of the sky into our mythologies, religious systems, and personal psychology. Okay, Andre, so we have reached the truly archetypal point in our journey with the planets. My argument in that is that up to now, we've been looking at the traditional seven planets, the planets and lights from the sun straight up to Saturn. But now we have started the planets that uh, didn't come into visibility until, in the case of the one we're speaking today, uh, until 1781. And that's, of course, Uranus. And I think when you look at archetypal material, which is what I'm really interested in, the archetypal is really what is invisible. It's what's working underneath the surface. And it often causes a lot of drama, a lot of dislocation, precisely because we can't apprehend it through the conscious mind, right? So I think that if you look at these, first of all, I think part of what I'd like to believe is that we are evolving on a human level, in a way that we can only apprehend a concept, an archetype, a planet, see it, uh, make it real until we're ready for it. In other words, we can't do it until we're ready for it, I should say. And so it seems to me that maybe there's an argument to be made that we couldn't see Uranus, even though it was always there, until 1781, because we were not at that point that we could develop an understanding of what it could mean. So the way that astrologers have traditionally ascribed meaning to a new planet, because of course you don't have a record of having observed it and the way it behaves, is by looking at what was going on at that point in history. And of course, you and I both know that 1781, the late 18th century, is tremendously radical for what happened, right? So very quickly, you have the Industrial Revolution, proto-industrialization, really begins about 1750, so you're in the thick of the the Industrial Revolution. Uh, you have the American Revolution that basically redefines democracy. And you have the French Revolution, which is really the most radical of all the, the things that go on. Now, it's interesting. We should point out that during the, the time of the French Revolution, sorry, French Revolution, which began in 1789, didn't really effectively end until the late uh, 18th century, maybe 1798, 1799, when Napoleon came to power. Pluto was also an Aquarius. So I think we have to remember that. So there was a double whammy going on. It <laughs> just said right now Pluto has gone into Aquarius. There is a lot about Aquarius that is really radical, which is one of the reasons I think the modern astrologers ascribe rulership of Aquarius to Uranus, because there is such a radical planet. It doesn't even behave like other normal planets. And you can talk about that in a minute, because I think that's a really interesting synchronicity. Uh, storytelling, of course, but it is a, an interesting uh, connection. But anyway, it should be remembered that the moment that that planet became visible to mankind with Herschel's sighting of it in 1781, uh, just William Herschel, I should put in a plug for his sister, Carolyn, who had a lot to do with that sighting, but who's never really, uh, who's never really honored the way he is. I won't make any more comments, but just saying. Um, Anyway, it's interesting that this planet came into our view, into consciousness at that point, at a time when there was a lot of radical, um, change. And that I think that maybe this tells us something about how this planet behaves. So what do you make of all this? 
Yeah, well, it, it's uh, exactly what you said, that it's discovered in concurrence with a lot of social revolution, liberation, which is one of the Iranian keywords type uh, events, breaking free from the shackles. And I think with Uranus, uh, one of the things that is absolutely true is that it rules the incoming technological revolution uh, that humanity tapped into because it rules electricity. And electricity is where we are today, where we were not pre-Uranus. You know, people had their kerosene lamps and so forth. And now if you say to someone, you lose power, you can't turn on your lights. It's like we, take, we totally take it for granted how much that liberates people's lives, how much that makes it possible to do other things and not be, for instance, worried all the time about your food going bad because you have your fridge. And so it's all electricity, right? So Uranus uh, is discovered around that time. The Industrial Revolution starts and correct on what you say around Aquarius. And the, uh, the, I had a really quite a hard time for years accepting that because I kept thinking Uranus is such a uh, independent energy. It has this quality of self, you know, awareness, self-driven uh, energy. I thought Aquarius feels like a group energy. But as time passed, first of all, because I could see that the parts of my chart with Aquarius kept getting mysteriously triggered on Uranus transit. So then I thought, okay, that must be why. But uh, secondly, in a way, it makes a lot of sense because Aquarius and Uranus, I think, what they're, what they're connecting to is the notion of humanity, but the notion of the individual having a strong place within that group. And if you think about it, that is what democracy is. And notice that democracies seem to take off post that point as well, because I, I don't know if you knew this, but one of the, uh, I forget which... Uh, collaboration I did with someone and I brought up something that seemed to offend a number of people. They said, how can you say that, um, how do they put it? How can you say that democracies started, that the, that uh, they're connected to, you know, current day, you know, US, Europe, etc. Oh, no, it was invented by the Iroquois and, uh, you know, it was, this is the, it's not, you can't give them credit. Well, that's not what I was trying to say. What I was trying to say is that, you know, it doesn't matter who invented democracy. I'm sure they were doing democratic societies in the Antarctic in the year 1000 or whatever. That's not the point. <laughs> the point no. is that you that is that when does it become a worldwide phenomenon where more people are living in groups where, I mean, in that sense, you'd say if you have a country like the U.S. with 350 million, the fact that it can continue to be a democracy is almost a miracle because the idea that everyone can participate is, you know, it's a little challenging, right? So anyway, bottom line, Uranus, Aquarius, technology, democracy. Why? Because the Iranian energy is both extremely independent, but is also uh, linked to the idea of the group, which is the Aquarian uh, idea of groups have the power, not just a single individual, which is, in a way, what we're living through today, that that's the struggle at the moment, and that uh, part of the world believes there should be a top-down um, right. style right. and part of the world continues to believe in 
the dem democratic uh, approach right. to things. And, yeah. and the point of um, democracy, I mean, you could also argue the ancient Greeks and, and you know, this experiment was, was yes. begun before. But but we should just always clarify, yes, but, you know, the slaves weren't allowed to be part of that. Women weren't allowed to be part of that. Whole, and, of course, at the beginning of their democratic revolution in the late 18th century, that was also the case. I think it goes beyond those structures, though. It goes to philosophy. The, the, the philosophical foundations of what you see here were written at that point, the late 19th century, including, by the way, on the rights of women, because Mary Wollstonecraft wrote her, her, her big fatigue on the rights of women in the late 18th century. I 18th mean, this century. is, yes. Like, so, so this is not just about um, a, a structure that we erect because there have been many structures erected. It's that the philosoph the philosophical underpinnings of this worldview really began then. So that's something to make. The, the other thing uh, point to make, I think, is that we've talked all along this series about how every uh, sign has its polar opposite, opposite brought in to the conversation as soon as we talk about it. Well, Leo is the opposite sign to Aquarius, right? If you're going to associate Uranus with Aquarius. And let me be very clear that the Hellenistic astrologers, because they did not have access to this, would not associate it. And I, I still would traditionally argue that Saturn is the first ruler of Aquarius. But there is definitely a resonance between uh, Uranus and Aquarius for me anyway. Um, anyway, but the point is the polar opposite is Leo. No, I have a theory thinking about this. If you notice, the Industrial Revolution was, was what happened really during the period of Pluto going through Aquarius and incorporated that, okay? Do you notice that at the end, we ended up with a Leo character, Napoleon? He is like the ultimate in kingship, right? He mm -hmm. is not a king in the usual sense, but he makes himself a king, you know? And he's a great Leo figure in that regard, right? So, in fact, the polarity was enacted within that. You, you go through this incredible radical period in France, which you ended up with a guillotine and, you know, each each subsequent group getting more and more radical and more crazy. You know, they were reinventing the calendar, which is kind of like an Aquarian thing. You know, we're going to start now, you know, seven Thermidor. Um, they, <coughs> excuse me, they, um, you know, they, they, they went into the Cathedral of Notre Dame and erected a, a statue to the goddess reason, reason being another another thing. So it was extreme. But in the end, it kind of brought in its polar opposite, which is kind of an interesting thing to consider about these outer planets. As they go through a sign, does it mean that as you're going through it, that it does necessarily have to bring the opposite sign into the conversation throughout and maybe even spectacularly near the end? It certainly did at that point. Um, anyway, going back to Aquarius, you know, we look at it mythologically, the story, now here's where Richard Tarnas comes in. Traditionally, the reason Uranus was called Uranus was, by the way, they, for those who don't know, I always really laugh because the original name proposed for this planet was first Herschel, to name it after William Herschel. That was knocked down. Then it was George. Do you imagine going from Saturn to George <laughs> in honor of King George III? It's like, no, 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 that's not going to work. And then eventually, you know, they had to establish some sort of, and so they thought, well, you know, Saturn was the father of uh, Jupiter, and so Uranus is the father of uh, Saturn, so let's make him the guy. And then Richard Tarnas comes along and says, you know, Richard Tarnas being the author of Cosmos and Psyche and quite well respected about these archetypal stories, he said, you know, this is wrong. This is the only misnamed planet, which again, I think sounds very Uranian to me. What a Uranian story. You get the name wrong only on this one planet, right? Because it's so eccentric and it behaves uh, kind of weirdly to begin with. And he proposes that the real name for this planet should be Prometheus. Now, I'm going to argue for both. I'm going to say that Uranus, we have very little information about him 
in in the uh, in the uh, myth. But I will tell you that we we have one just one story, and that is that he is castrated right by his son Saturn Kronos, and his testicles fall into the sea, and out of the foam springs Venus Aphrodite. And I think this is a very small story, but it's very impactful. First of all, anybody anybody who's ever been through an Iranian transit will tell you that it feels like you've been you've been shocked. It's not only the electric shock, it's the shock of the kind of being castrated. They cut the fact that it's extremely, it can be very violent. That is what a revolution is, isn't it? Um, but it also is Prometheus. And who's Prometheus? Prometheus steals fire from the gods to give to humans because he loves humans so much. And then he pays by having his liver pecked out every night uh, on the instructions of Zeus, right? And so it's the idea that there is something, and I've noticed this in charts, like you just have to look at some of the more innovative charts, like someone like James Joyce always comes to mind because it is such a heavily Aquarian type of chart and very progressive. They seem to be the rule breakers. If you have a very wired in Uranus, you are going to be the kind of person that isn't going to follow the rules. It's just hard. It's not like Saturn. I think Saturn is a rule follower. And Uranus, who comes after Saturn, definitely says, forget it. I am not following any rules. I am doing it my way. So I think, and I don't know if you've seen it, you've done, you're a consulting astrologer, so you've done a lot of charts, that there tends to be a bit of the radical around people that have highly wired in Uranuses. Would you agree with that? Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been looking at uh, lately, just because I'm doing a study on harmonics, and I've looked mm -hmm. a lot at, again, at Trump's chart, because he's got a hyperactive Uranus, both from the elevation of it on his nodes next to his sun opposite his moon, and wired into the fifth harmonic, which is a kind of very creative, but very devilish, destructive harmonic. And it's remarkably similar to Hitler, who had the same um, mm. same pattern. And these are people who are extremely self-willed. They figured out a way to express their true will. And on the downside, it's an incredibly dangerous planet. But they definitely break the rules, do what... It's very Promethean in that sense on the downside. On the upside, it's very useful to leave behind all the restrictions uh, so, in other words, for example, the Catholic Church would not like Uranus, generally no. speaking. It's a, it's no. a Saturnian institution. Yeah. Uranus is very threatening because it's the idea that, as you say, you have your own fire, so you don't need, you know, someone to tell you uh, what it is. You follow your own, you know, you follow your own impulses. Isn't Uranus, though, to my understanding, isn't it in the mythology, isn't Uranus the king of the sky or the, isn't it supposed to be that that's the... Yeah, he's originally before the the sun overtakes him, uh, just like that like Jupiter does. He's one of the titans, one of the original, uh, yes, king of that yeah, group. That but that group so much, is then in exile, right? That makes so much sense to me because it it ha to me it has that feeling of uh, being being your own your own uh, your own guide, your own everything, which is the right. Uranian feeling. You know, again, on the I always understand planets and signs. They have a range, high end, low end. Right. You can take any archetype and turn it into a very destructive force or it can be a very positive force. Uh, on the positive side, that independence, maybe that's a good way to put it. Yes, independence is very yeah. Uranian. Yeah. It's why, I mean, think about it. Why do you get the American Revolution then? Because the Americans were looking for independence from yeah. Britain, but then that's it was right. the French moving in. And, yeah. and, you know, and then back to that thing about democracy and in that sense, I think democracy is Uranian because it's both group think, group rule, and you're empowering individuals. You're right, saying to right. individuals, you have a vote, 
you have a say. I mean, in the U.S., it's extreme. You get to say anything you want, even if it's false. I mean, now we're gra- grappling with that. But you can imagine, I mean, even in today's world, if you're in a less Iranian society, you can be jailed, you can be tortured right. Right. for sometimes for things that we think are nothing in, in America or Canada or, you know, right. somewhere in Europe. Right? Yeah. So in that sense, Uranus uh, associates to those to those things. But I still say that probably the most or one of the most revealing uh connections is the electricity aspect of it and in fact it's a planet that feels electrical when it's mm-hmm. in your yes when it you get a an aspect uh people will say i, I can't sleep i'm constantly wired uh, <laughs> yes. and I, and i recall you know a, a comedic uh, episode way back when they they had these astrologers on a tv program and the, you know how they they'll do something a little more uh you know focus on the sensational so they gave these astrologers all this chart, the same chart, to try to figure out what this person might be like or, you know, what could be up with this person. And the chart had all kinds of Uranus aspects. And, of course, these astrologers thought, okay, well, you know, this is what I'm thinking they were thinking, I'm guessing. Right, right. This has to be someone who has a very, you know, Uranian thing. So they all guessed this guy probably got hit by lightning and it was someone that had been hit multiple times and escaped <laughs> because there were all these all these trines and sextiles. So the, you know, the lightning would hit the person's hat and go right through their <laughs> hat and they wouldn't die. The, but that's classic because Uranus rules lightning itself. It's the yeah, idea yeah, of yeah. The, yeah. the flash in the sky, like when you get a, a big epiphany, a big insight, yes. that's Prometheus saying to you, hey, have you thought of doing this this way instead of oh, that look way? Up. Because then you would free yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you should say that because there is good, there's good evidence that people do get hit more than once by lightning. And I've always been, it's always something that's intriguing. Why? I mean, it's not that common. It's very uncommon, but it seems that there repeat, there are people that get repeat hits, which is, is bizarre. And the, the fact that it could be aligned and it makes sense to me as well, that it's aligned with Uranus because you're right. It is sudden hits and sudden changes and sudden, um, yeah, the unexpected. It comes from nowhere and suddenly, you know, you're forced to change direction, whether you like it or not. The other thing that's interesting about Uranus is that it's the first that really starts of the outer planets. This starts really aligning generationally because it spends seven years in a sign, right? It has an 84-year orbit. So unlike Saturn, which spends only two and a half years, you can really start looking at generations according to where Uranus mm-hmm. and the rest of the planets landed. So there is a, a kind of a, like the 60s, that's very Virgo. Uranus was in Virgo. The the um, uh, Rachel Carson publishes, uh, I'm trying to think of the, I'm sure somebody will be able to remember the, the book on the environment and it will come to me. But there is a, a sudden interest in the environment, which is a very Virgo kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, each, then it goes in to Libra. And then we have, you know, the, the emphasis on relationships in the seventies, people reevaluating how they see relationships. Then it goes into to Scorpio. And then we suddenly have, um, you know, uh, uh, an emphasis more, I guess it was before Pluto entered Scorpio, because that would have been probably in the late, I'm thinking Ernest was in Scorpio already in the late seventies, but in each part, each place that it touches, you get a kind of a, a, a new group that you can identify. And it does really start marking out what people so you could argue well wherever Uranus is for your generation that's where you want to be world breakers that's why where you want to look at things differently mm-hmm. this is where perhaps you no longer accept the status quo mm-hmm. so you could say well today uh let, let's just look do it something recently uh Uranus went into Taurus what two years ago maybe three years ago how it's 20, been there for a while yeah 2018 
2018 has been there even longer than I can remember. Okay. But you notice how much, how one of the things that came up when you're on the Taurus is how many people started questioning the way the, the dollar, the, the position of the U.S. dollar and started talking about cryptocurrencies and, you know, and um, blockchain, all these things that are Uranian and Taurus, of course, being money. You know, we no longer want to do business as usual, whether that sticks or not is another thing. But it's interesting that it brings into into highlight, into focus, the things you want to radically change. Um, and so when it goes into Gemini, my which will be, I guess, what, 26, 25, 26? 25. Uh, yeah. Okay. So then I think that what might be, because Gemini is about communication, I think that we are already seeing changes to the way we communicate and media, I think there might be a reckoning uh, during the time that goes in there because we're again revisiting Gemini kind of uh, kind of situations, right? So that's one thing to track because I think this is what makes the outer planets very different from the traditional seven, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the one scary thing about Uranus and Gemini is, first of all, it was discovered in Gemini. Yes. And that was a pretty tumultuous period. Yeah. But... Here's the upside. If you think of Uranus as being in the end, uh, you know, first of all, it's in the human sign, you know, the water bearer. There's a quality of the group, society at large, something is being freed and so forth. Then when it's there, if you look at, if you look historically, it's not uh, too easy. For example, yeah. in the 1860s, that was the American War, the American yeah. Civil War. Civil War, yeah. And then the next pass was the Second World War, you know, two wars that were really brutal. And yet both of them led to much better conditions as a result. And we're going into another one of those periods. So in one sense, you'd say, oh, I'd rather not go through there. But let's face it, there are some necessary changes. We, we, we're seeing this kind of thing happen now once again. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if it'll just be the the clash between authoritarianism and democracy, I certainly that's there already. But whatever it is, it's meant to free the right. situation better on the other side. But you have to always go through the, the period. Right. You can't right. avoid it. It's, it's the way it is. Yeah. And that speaks to how you really have to look at the chart in question to see, well, what, what does this really, because of course the American Sibley chart um, has Uranus or has um, Gemini in the seventh house. Yeah. And so you could argue that you have a reckoning with the other, whether the other is outside in the world, like in the World War II, or with the British, you know, when it was discovered, or is it during the Civil War? Is the the other, the, the, the people you're making the other inside your own country, which, by the way, I think pretty well defines what's going on there right now. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, at some point, you're going to have to dialogue with it, right? And And that's a key word for Gemini, which is dialogue. So hopefully what it does produce in the end is a better way to dialogue about issues that are maybe difficult to dialogue about. Right. I mean, the thing is, this is where my thinking on this is that, is that the planet is the planet. It will yes. do what it will do. Mm -hmm. And my feeling is Uranus seeks freedom. So good luck to you if you're trying to create restrictions, because that's <laughs> yes. not where it's going to go. It's going to go toward freedom, whether you like it or not. And that's the bottom line, that that planet, in, in a strange way, even though it's the potentially the most selfish and crazy in some people's behavior, such as the couple that we mentioned before. You right. know, uh, nevertheless, it, to my mind, it advances humanity. And, and I actually think that that is the entry into the age of Aquarius, so-called. Okay, the point when Uranus comes in, people are looking for the age of Aquarius through the constellations. 
Maybe. I mean, I, I, I can't be wrong about this because I'm not going to be here to argue about it. So if it's going to happen <laughs> in 2600, great. You know, some new revolution comes in. But in terms of the behavior of Aquarius mm-hmm. and Uranus, it's a total change. I mean, if you think about history, history, the demarcation line is the late 18th century. That's when yeah, things sure. change completely. Yes. You know, for sure. I, I think that's something that's not understood by people who don't study history. Just, uh, you know, I remember being an undergraduate historian and that the one thing you were always uh, taught, uh, in fact, you, the, the title of the history books I had were the, the making of the modern world. Well, you, be- you began in the late 18th century, clearly, because by the way, just something that is, you know, very boring to most, but you look at the tracking demography, demographically, what happened is a complete explosion of the population. That's mm-hmm. the only way you could have had the kind of uh, development you had in the 19th century, uh, the exploitation, right? Because of that incredible. So yes, no, it's a misunderstanding what happened and how radical it is. So incredibly radical what happened down there at that point. And, and we kind of take it for granted now because we live in a world where change just happens, you know? So you think, well, but you have to almost think of, and, and I, I was just speaking about this today with someone about how the romantic movement, movement, which happens shortly after that, is a reaction to that change. People will always, because I'm predicting that there's going to be another romantic movement in art. And the reason is that the romantic movement creates a bunch of poter, painters, poets, novelists, uh, all sorts of artists who start going to nature and start to, to inhale nature and to deify nature and to worship nature and to you know uh, look for solace and consolation in the natural world. Why? Because the changes that were occurring mechanically were so difficult to understand that you always get in the artistic realm, a reaction to that kind of thing. So you go into more dreamy, mystical uh, kind of kind of world, which of course, then Neptune will solidify when it gets discovered, but it is a reaction. So I actually predict that even Saturn going into Pisces now was speaking to the fact that they were seeing, we're feeling so much change that the natural countervailing force will actually be art that produces something that just slows everybody down says, okay, this is all changing. Let's go back to first principles, which of course always goes back to nature, to something that is slow, that is natural, that is not. Because the other thing we have to say is Uranus is associated very much with technology. So it's not a surprise to me if you're going to associate Uranus with Aquarius, the Pluto that just entered Aquarius What's been in the talk of the town? It's been chat GPT, AI. What's happening with AI? And every day there is a new AI program. <laughs> like I was, I was listening today about in a writer's group, obviously I'm a writer, so I pay attention to these things about how somebody was saying there's actually an AI program, can't remember the name, which can, pr- can produce pretty quickly a schlocky romance novel if you want, or a, you know, you give it, you give it the parameters on page 33, you do this, and then halfway through, and it knows because it's formulaic. And, you know, all writers and artists are very much up in arms. And my answer to that being a writer is, look, the only counter you can do make to that is to write stuff that is more human based, that is a little bit more original. That's who's going to survive this game. If you're constantly producing things where you can game the system by, you know, this is what schlock fiction is. I will, you will do things according to, you see this on Netflix, by the way, a lot lately, that it's produced according to some sort of weird formula. I think that's easy to reproduce, but I still hold out that original creativity, creativity which transcends boundaries, are the radical people that refuse to give you what you want, that will break the rules, and that will produce something that's a lot more interesting. So I'm not as worried as a lot of people are, but I think this has come now into into the uh, foreground a lot. And it's because uh, Pluto going through Aquarius over the next 20 years, the sign that is associated in the modern world with Uranus, 
I think the changes we're going to see are going to be absolutely monumental, just like the changes they saw in the in the 20 years between, you know, the, the latter half of the 18th century were monumental. And it's not only political systems, it will be technology. I mean, it will be changes in the way and we're already seeing it. I can't even imagine where we're heading with this. And so I think that's very confronting. And I'll go back to the original Uranus story. It feels like you're being castrated. It's too fast. It's too, it's not a, a slow merging like Neptune. It's not the ocean. You're not walking in slowly. This is like somebody just comes over and from one day to the next says, oh, hi, we found aliens. Here we are, right? I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, people, but <laughs> please. But what I am saying is that it feels like an alien contact, right? That you, you don't know what to do with this kind of thing. It's like a lightning bolt. Just It is it's a lightning yeah. bolt. Yeah. And, and how you deal with it will depend on, well, first of all, I would say probably the way it's wired into your chart. If you have, if you're naturally very Uranian, I think you don't feel threatened by it. But if you're, you're a very sad and heavy person in a sense that you, you, you worry about traditions and then I see a lot of fear-based kind of thinking right now, which I think, first of all, you know, you can't change things. That's the way it is. And that doesn't mean you don't address, because I think one of the things is going to happen as Uranus uh, moves into Gemini is a, might, what might be addressed are rules and regulations. Gemini also rules a lot with with uh, what you write down, right? So it may be that we start coming up with with some regulations as to well, how this is how it should look. And this is how, you know, but maybe it'll be, it might also be the other, you know, completely opposite, which is like just the Wild West. Go out and do whatever you want and see what happens. So I think there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of experimentation with this. And I think it is probably going to be a little bit unsettling because it is many years of feeling like you're being shocked, you know, shock, shock, or like you say, having a, a lightning bolt uh, hit you. But, you know, there's an exciting part, too. I think there's a lot of excitement with the Uranus. You know, if you if, if you look at massive change, it happens when it's there. So, you know, you want you it's it's not a bad thing altogether. It's just that maybe it, it happens at a pace which we're uncomfortable with. Maybe that's the, the, the thing that uh, that uh, most challenges us. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because it's the Uranus also rules speed. Literally. Right. So, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. So it's 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 rapid and. Uh, probably, probably this is where you go back to Saturn, though, because any any existing structure, unless you destroy the structure completely, and sometimes that's what can happen when Uranus cycles. You notice that, for instance, relationships can end very quickly or very yeah. suddenly, and then the structure isn't there anymore. Uh, but overall, when you talk about countries, systems, and so on, it's the health of the Saturn that is the trick is you, even if the Uranus comes in with new mm-hmm. new ways of doing things, whatever it is, then it has to be incorporated into the structure right. and have it continue to operate properly. Mm-hmm. And but but if you think about Uranus going back to its original sign and Uranus being strong at all in any period in history, I don't see how you can advocate all these rules that all of a sudden conservatives are freaking out because the world is changing too fast for them. And they don't like this, but it's pretty hard to to sustain, you know, the old order when no. when the outer planets are strong like that. And if you put together uh, Uranus returning to its own sign and then the other planet, planetoid Eris, which I think empowers, empowers, there's a tremendous gender empowerment going on. Right. That's going to destabilize things a whole lot. And you have to adapt and, and get with the program. Because if you don't get with the program, you're on the wrong side of not just history, but the wrong side of the way things are working, literally, you know. 
I think what may be happening, what we're seeing is that um, there's there's the old story that uh, a movement as it dies will scream the loudest. And I think what's happening is the conservative world we have is screaming really loudly right now because the pace of change that they already foresee happening is too much. And it has been too much for them. And they just have a moment in time where they're going to be nastier and more extreme and more limiting, basically because of fear. And this is something I think people should understand if the conservative mentality, and I'm not just speaking about the United States, I'm speaking about Canada, I'm speaking about any country you look at, it is very fear-based. Uh, everything that you fear is thing that changes a big turnoff because you have no control over it. And it's based obviously on psychologically on, on the idea that you don't have control. And so the rest of us, you know, will find a way to, to accommodate ourselves to that, to that belief or to that, to that realization. But I think when you're really, really fear-based, the thing you do is instead of looking inside, which is what I think all evolved people do and say, okay, this is coming from within. How can I deal with this in the psychological level so that I don't go around projecting it onto women, onto minorities, onto whatever group I've decided that are the enemy. Then the, the, the lack of the, the, the lack of awareness leads to a lot of conflict. And what you do is you become very repressive. You try to control everything around you so you can maintain power. Right. And that is, I think, a very Saturnian and Plutonian thing, by the way. When we get to Pluto, we can revisit this notion. But I, I agree with you. I don't think Uranus allows you that. It says, yeah, forget that. I'm just going to come in with a big sickle and just you know, cut, cut everything off. And, it's, and, you know, and it can be, and actually, you know, if you, if you look at anarchist movements, po- political movements that are really extreme, they have an Iranian, a Iranian feel. I always say that uh, the, the Industrial Revolution really gets ugly in, 19, in 1793, when uh, when the public the committee of public safety starts deciding they're going to start eliminating all the enemies right and the enemies become bigger and bigger and then they're in their, their it's their own inner circle they start eliminating and that happens right that's just the extreme reaction and so you know these powers you just have to learn how to balance them but I guess because I'm so informed by Jung's work Jung always said look the work has to begin with you. Forget the society, just forget all that stuff. If you are not driven by fear, you are not going to behave like this. You're just not. So whenever I see the, a conservative screaming about women or whatever, I think, man, you're really full of fear. And if we could just sit you down and maybe psychoanalyze your bit and give you some tools so you go, you, 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 you wouldn't go around like that, then it would be better. But then you get a bunch of fearful people together and then you know, they start enacting laws and punishing anybody. Here, here's where I think that I, I see a big sea change, and I think you, I'm going to look at the generational shift that happened. Uh, one thing you look at is the, the combination of outer planet cycles meeting. And if you remember in the early 1990s, we had that incredible meeting of Uranus and Neptune, right? Mm-hmm. In, in Aquari- was it Aquarius or Capricorn? I think it was, no, it was Capricorn, right? Capricorn. Not, okay. Capricorn. So that whole group of people, including, uh, for example, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but other people that belong to that group are coming into power. And I don't think that they're, I don't think they're really, really interested in the status quo. I don't really think they're interested in doing things the way that it was done before. And even more, if you look at this group, this young group that my children belong to that were, were born, you know, the early 2000s, they're really not, they're a completely different group, <laughs> completely. They just have no understanding. And so I have hope because those those groups are going to lead. It's not going to be the older group that are, you know, right now what you see is disproportionate amount of power held by boomers who are very fear-ridden. And so I think there's hope in that that group, this new group was born with technology surrounding them. They don't know of a world where they didn't have these things. And I just don't think this is going to last. So these guys that are playing a game, they're, it's the last gasp. I really think it's the last gasp. But I think the last gasp is always the most dangerous. 
because you're aware it's the last gasp, but you're going to fight extra hard. And this is my hope. And I think that if you just look at what ha- what's happened in the past, it probably makes the most sense that this is where it's heading. But that there will be a lot of dislocation and craziness first. Well, we've seen it. I think we've been in it for a long time. We just didn't notice until, you know, the lunatics started showing up that, in fact, this has been a problem for a while. We just didn't want to own up to it, right? Yeah, no, it's totally true. That Because that, if, you, if you go back to the previous cycles in Gemini, it's pretty clear. It's been around yeah. for, th- I think it's three. First, the first return is the 1860s. No. And it was the U.S., but it was other things as well. There was a lot yeah, going yes. on throughout the, yeah. throughout the world. But notice, isn't it interesting that what was that fight about? It was about whether you should enslave human beings or not. Yeah, and, that's it. And the fight was, no, you can't do that because yeah. they're human beings and they get to have a say just like, oh, no, no, sorry. The planet doesn't yeah. argue with you, just does it. Yeah. And then yeah. Second World War, same thing happened again. When yeah. you think about yeah. the Hitlerian thing, his idea was that there should only be this particular race. Everybody else no. is, is is worthless. You know, they should yeah. be uh, removed. Well, yeah. the planet didn't agree. The planet said, yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry, yeah. not going to work out that way. So now we're in another year in a cycle. But of course, with all the advancements that we've had in the last 84 years, since it's the home. planet you know, was last there. And uh, furthermore, too, when you think both it being in Gemini, because it's a associated with an air sign and it was discovered in an air sign and air has that communication quality to it such that uh, where things are very different today than even in the last year in a cycle and certainly the one before that is that information flies so yes there's more danger in the sense of things like uh, AI where you can fake things and so forth and uh, information moves very very quickly and I think a lot of times people are not given enough credit out there for being a lot more attuned than people say, oh, you know, in the U.S., everybody does. People don't know what's going on. That's not the sense I'm getting. Mm-hmm. You can often tune into polls and people get it. They get what's going on and they uh, it may take them a little longer, but they start to act in their you know, self-interest and in the interest of the group rather than the insanity that right. Uh, right. we've seen at times. Well, you just pointed out a really interesting thing, by the way, which is, of course, if you do go back to the Civil War, it was a group of people trying to dominate and enslave another group and had been, and then that was enough. It was no longer going to be accepted, although you could argue that it continued underground in some ways. But the fact is that was a big break. Uh, and of course, the Second World War, with the otherizing of Hitler, became ridiculous, you know, and extreme and, and, and plutonic in the darkest of ways. But actually what you've seen, especially in the United States, but we see it in Canada here too, by the way, nobody, nobody's exempt from this. And you see it in Hungary with Orban. You see it in the UK with, with the reaction to immigrants coming in, the boat, the way they're behaving, it's horrible, is the idea that, you know, somehow white people are the only people that, that should, should be in power, should have rights. And then the way you do it is they start playing the victim game of, you know, um, uh, we have no rights compared. It's, it's, it's illogical. It's insane. But again, it's the people who are not willing to accept the world has changed. And I think if you are Iranian, you accept the world changes and it's okay. And there will be, you know, there will be some things that don't function the way you want them to, but you accept the concept of change. But I think this is what's, what's really heading. And I think honestly, this is also associated with levels of education. You see it constantly. It's a lot easier to manipulate people when they are educated to believe all sorts of nonsense and they're not. So really, Gemini is also teachers, right? 
And to me, my biggest hope for Uranus going through, through Gemini is that there is a reform of the education system uh, so that at least you get information that is vetted, that you do get, you teach people media literacy so they know that, you know, they go on, on Fox, they are getting complete inventions and, and you should avoid that. Uh, and and you just, you know, one, one great word for Uranus too, for me, is the act of castration is also an extreme form of discernment, right? The masculine function I do is to associate Uranus with a masculine or yang kind of vibe is one where you discern with a sword what is actually fact and what is made up. And this is really important. We need to know these things. And so my hope when it goes into Gemini is that it also empowers the educational system to say, you know what, we got to look at this again. We can't have homeschooling to a crazy event where people are teaching people, uh, their kids, things that are actually making them less able. I'm not just picking on homeschooling because there's some pretty good reasons to homeschool. But you know what I mean, that you have little enclaves of people saying, we're going to sit here and make the other, the enemy, you can't work as a society if you're not coming up with principles that you all adhere to. So I'm hoping that that's the other thing that might actually be addressed. This idea that communication does actually have to be looked at and, and there is fact and there is fiction. And I think as Neptune, and we'll talk about Neptune the next time, as it went through Pisces, it really muddied the waters big time, right? It really became, so I'm hoping also as it moves into Aries that you get more discernment because Aries, of course, is ruled by Mars and Mars is the planet of discernment. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting times, you know, that curse, may you live in interesting times. I think we're living in interesting times, mm-hmm. but a lot of, a lot of radical change for sure. And a lot of feeling of instability, which is the other thing I think Uranus brings by transit or just if you have it wired in, you always think that you, you're always kind of ready to be hit again because things are not quite grounded. It's not as so like Saturn to me is a grounded planet, for mm-hmm. example, right? Yeah. And it's rulership, especially of Capricorn. You feel like you're touching the earth. Uranus is a sky god. <laughs> He's yeah. like totally up there, right? Totally, right. totally in a place right. you can't even relate to. And so I think that's another reason that it terrifies the uh, people because you have nothing to hang on to. It's like, okay, I hope to God it comes in and it doesn't, you know, hit me with an electric shock and kill me. So it, it's a fascinating, fascinating, uh, but, but again, yeah. I mean that's the thing that that if in the U.S. chart is has this really strong Uranus by virtue of it crossing the angle minutes before the birth of the of the country, and we know that it is a strong uh, planet for all kinds of reasons and the way the uh, countries evolve and so forth. But the U.S. has a very strong Saturn too. Saturn squares oh. the sun. You cannot shake that those institutions and that foundation yeah. easily. It is going to fight back. It's well yeah. organized, and it will always form around something you know, tangible and solid. It's, it's hard to shake. And I think that's why, despite all the recriminations, you know, people are saying, oh, these people get away with everything. I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing, you know, s- slow and steady, but uh, including what just happened. This hadn't happened ever, really, this defamation thing with Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which again is information. Yeah, yeah, and they're not done. Yeah. I don't think that's done. I think no, it's not done. No. But again, it, you know, in a, in a larger archetypal way, it, it is a uh, paying the piper moment, right? And I think that might be associated also with Pluto moving into Aquarius, which also, mm-hmm. if you think about it, what, what, what was decided? Something about a technology company at the end of the day, because that company is associated with an Aquarian thing. They're, they're tabulating votes using technology. And again, um, it's very easy to make people suspicious, and that's what they were able to do by just bringing the word technology in, because people have a natural fear of things they don't understand mechanically, right? They don't understand how it works. Well, okay, yeah. but okay, but to be 
fair, that whole thing was such a canard because of course, of Dominion, course Dominion and Smartmatic were producing paper trails. Of course, of course. I mean, of course, you have to yeah. get... It was no. an Italian satellite, you know. Yeah, of course, of course. But 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 again, you know, this is again, we go back to Uranus going through Gemini and the hope and the possibility for perhaps better information uh, yes. training. You know, I think that's that's got to happen. Mm-hmm. And so that may be one of the outcomes. But will it be easy? No, I mean, you can't ever predict these things. But by looking at history, you know that those are tough times. But you said it, I think we'll end with this because you started with this. They're also necessary because some no, things they're, don't they're, work. You know, they're necessary and most importantly, they bring a better situation yeah. as a result. Yeah. That's, That's the it. bottom line. That's what you have to focus on. Right. Yeah. I, I think like any outer planet transit, and we'll talk about Neptune, which I think is one that is really not talked about enough next time. And Pluto. I think that one thing people should understand that it's not a picnic while you're going through it. But I think a lot of people, once they're through it and have some distance, often say, thank God that happened. Thank God that marriage ended suddenly. Thank God that job, I got kicked out of that job. At the moment, you feel in turmoil and you feel completely unmoored. But looking looking ahead and then being with the benefit of hindsight, you go, oh my God, that's why it happened for me. Not to me, but for me, right? That's the key to this whole thing. Okay, well, next time we'll, we'll meet up with the, I think the one planet that I think is ignored the most, which is funny because Neptune, of course, has a signification of being kind of watery and lost. And I think people don't pay enough attention to that one. It's one of the ones that seems to be, be ignored. So let's talk about that one. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Until next time. Thanks for listening today. If you want to hear more about all of this, go to YouTube where you will find Andre's channel called Astrology Alert. He posts videos there almost daily. He also teaches classes through his Patreon account. You can find me at sophiacycles.com. If you want to support my work, I've recently released a new novel called Invocation, which you may find of interest. Go to my website to see a book trailer about it. It's available in all fine bookstores, including Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Finally, if you like this podcast, please rate it and leave a review so that others will find it as well. 